Hi there, Dork Lords, and welcome to Dork Wars the Podcast, your galactic hub for all things Star Wars. And as always, I'm here with Grant. Hello there. Wesley. What's up, dorks? Andrew. Howdy. And Deidre. Yes. Deidre's here. So uh, we're, we're going to get today's episode started. I first have a point of contention um, to to point out from last episode, kind of a Uh-oh. mystery solved, if you will. Yep. Um, we were talking about Cad Bane in our last episode, our villains episode, and whether or not he survived, whether he was dead or alive, what happened to him. I was actually watching um, the Yoda Chronicles. Uh, it's a Lego show. My daughter has finally gotten into Star Wars. Um, she's she'll be three this this year, and so I started off started her off with some Lego Star Wars stuff. Pretty funny. Um, I actually enjoyed it more than she did. But there is a scene where they are in most icely after the uh, after a New Hope, and they're going around to the different spaceports in most icely, and they open a spaceport, and there's Jabba the Hutt, and beside him is none other than Cad Bane in Lego form, and they rush hey. after yeah, and they rush after Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and the gang. Uh, pretty cool. So Cad Bane is definitely still alive. And He's I'm alive. Glad we, I'm glad we could clear that up. Um, I don't know if those Lego movies are canon, but... Um, they're, they're I like canon. how you, you use your daughter as an excuse to watch the show. <laughs> well, yeah, I probably would have watched it anyway. <laughs> but yeah, Lego Star Wars is, is awesome. Uh, I, I grew up playing the Lego Star Wars games and they didn't talk or anything back then. They just had grunts and movements, and it was it was yeah. actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty fun. So I'm pretty sure that they're not supposed to be taken as canon. Well, they're canon to me. And Cad Bane, Cad Bane he's he's still alive. He, he's got to be. He, he's in the Lego show. He's he's alive. So that brings us to today's episode, and that is heroes, our favorite heroes. Um, so like last episode where my wife gave her opinion on her favorite villain, I want to give you Brittany's hot take on favorite hero this week. So back when I first introduced her to Star Wars, we watched the original trilogy, um, on a couple different snow days, like during the week we had like two or three days off and we watched all three of the original trilogy movies. And she pretty much kind of zoned out and watched parts of it. And she overall enjoyed the movies, but pretty much not her thing. We get to episode um, six, Return of the Jedi. And f- from out of her phone, she looks up at the TV and sees the Ewoks. And she fell in love. My wife, my wife's favorite heroes of the Star Wars universe, out of all the heroes, the great people of Star Wars, her favorite are the Ewoks. At least it's not yeah. Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, That'd be a villain, isn't it? Well, I think Jar Jar Binks is a villain, but yeah, we can we can save that. <laughs> Darth Jar Jar episode. It's coming, guys. Darth Jar Jar is coming. We promise. <laughs> We're saving it for, for something big. But anyways, yes, my wife's favorite uh, heroes are the Ewoks, and she might garner a lot of hate from that from the Star Wars community, but who cares? I, I, like, I like the Ewoks. They're, they're like real cute, cute little bears. <laughs> well, the only thing that bothers me about the Ewoks, like their story should have ended a lot differently. When that Death Star exploded, every one of those Ewoks should have been flash fried. I mean, you're not wrong, but, you know, who cares about physics? Psh, I do. 
I just imagine from your wife's perspective, like you see all these lightsabers, all this combat, and the little innocent little teddy bears are the fa- the favorite. <laughs> hey man, it's it's what happens sometimes. So let's get this thing rolling. So favorite heroes. Let's go to Grant first this time. So Grant, who is your favorite hero and why? All right. So last week I talked about my favorite villain being Grand Admiral Thrawn. And um, for those that have seen him in the current canon and the old canon, you know that very similar character. I talked about that mainly last week. But the big difference between Thrawn in the canon and Thrawn in the old canon and the legends now is that his adversary in the old canon was Luke Skywalker and overall the New Republic. In this version of the canon, his main adversary, which is my favorite hero, is Ezra Bridger. Now, for anyone who is unfamiliar with Ezra Bridger, he is the main protagonist of the Rebels TV series. It's an animated series, but um, the Ahsoka show is technically a sequel to that show. So if you're planning on watching Ahsoka in the future when it comes out, I would highly, highly recommend that you go back and watch um, both The Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, They will help you understand what's going on greatly and will overall just be, they're very enjoyable shows to watch. I'll, I'll just say that. But Ezra Bridger, being my favorite character, um, stems from a few things. First off, he's very unique. Um, he isn't raised in the traditional way of a Jedi. He really didn't have anyone. I mean, even when Luke's, you know, didn't have his parents, he still had, you know, his aunt and uncle able to take care of him. And he had, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi watching over him. But Ezra Bridger didn't really have that. Um, he was lost his parents because of the empire and he was truly on his own and so he had to be resourceful he had to find ways to survive um he had to find ways to steal food he stole supplies to sell to people he did all sorts of different things just to you know stay alive and such and so going off of that um you know we know as viewers that eventually you find out that he's force sensitive and turns into being trained into a jedi by kanan but, you know, in his early years, he, he didn't realize that not everybody can jump from building to building like there's no problem. But for him, it was just, you know, another day surviving, another day getting what he needed to uh, live. Um, and so that's something that really draws me to him. And another thing is his unique connection to the Force. Um, now, this connection was um, explored more in the old Legends canon and in some of the High Republic stuff. You see a little bit of it. Um, but he has a very strong Force connection. To animals, which I think is really, really cool. Personally, I have, well, I guess three different dogs that I'm associated with now. And so <laughs> animals are very uh, important to me and such. And so seeing Ezra's connection to animals like uh, the Loth cats in, on Lothal, um, that's the planet that he's from. Um, if you know anything about it, Loth cats, lead him all over the places through the forest to do certain things. And then eventually in seasons, now I think it's only season four when the Loth wolves show up. Uh, they may show up briefly in Season 3, but definitely in Season 4, uh, Loth Wolves guide him and really show him, you know, their connection to the Force, his connection to the Force. Um, they foreshadow, I'm going to get into spoilers here, but at this point, Wesley, you have no excuse. Um, I, I'm in Season 4 right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, they foreshadow Kanan's death with the Loth Wolves. You know, Doom is a big thing that they say. Um, and so it's through the Force and through these... Uh, Loth wolves that he gets that you know that insight that hey this is going to happen and ultimately uh for clear oh go ahead like i was going to say for for clarification uh the whole dune reference kanan's real name is caleb dune um so oh, yeah. keep going very important point to make 
Um, but yeah, that, that's where he foreshadowed it and they really showed it there. And then uh, the third and m- biggest point for me um, is definitely going to be his ultimate power that he has with the Force uh, that we see at the Jedi Temple on Lothal in Season 4, um, where he's able to enter into the, I guess the only way to describe it is kind of like the space between time and space. I, I don't really know if there's an official name for that, but it, it's literally where he can travel through time and space and anywhere. Um, and that's actually how Ahsoka survives uh, her fight with Darth Vader from season two. Um, if you think back to season two of Rebels, you see Ahsoka. We know that Ahsoka and Darth Vader are fighting and then they leave off off of uh, the planet. And they're the only ones there fighting. And you see Vader leave, but we don't see Ahsoka leave. Uh, all we see at the end is Ahsoka walking into the ruins of him. Like, well, how'd she survive all that? And that's explained in season four by Ezra's power. She or He pulls her through the time portal, I guess is the best way to say it, and then ultimately saves her life and ends up helping her uh, realize that, hey, I'm going to be gone and you're going to have to come save me in the future with Sabine. That's basically what he, he told her. So um, and that's something very interesting and what really drew me to Ezra. So the biggest thing that I got from your description of Ezra is that he will probably f- uh, be the founder of Space PETA. <laughs> <laughs> with his love of animals and the force that'd be pretty cool i mean that's very cool i mean if you look uh, well another thing about the animals is he used uh, his force connection with animals to really take down grand admiral thrawn and the empire over lothal so maybe a spinoff uh, spinoff series from ahsoka or something could be maybe ezra and thrawn opening up a pet shop <laughs> um organizing PETA. that'd be pretty cool yeah man but that brings me to my first question uh grant or anyone who wants to answer where where do you think ezra is like at the end of season four of rebels big spoiler um he and thrawn are sucked into um hyperspace with these humongous space octopus things um octopi if you will where do you think that Ezra and Thrawn are, Grant? Um, just for me, uh, what I think is that they were taken into the Unknown Regions, which you know Thrawn knows a little bit about because he's a Chiss and they're from the Unknown Regions. And so ultimately, I think he ended up back at the Chiss Ascendancy. Um, and a lot of the books that uh, came out about Thrawn, the new Thrawn trilogy that's in the canon, uh, kind of points it in the way of he's still working for the Chiss Ascendancy even though he's in the Empire. So what I'm thinking that Ahsoka's show and where they are is Ahsoka's going to go find them. Uh, as we can tell, she asked about Thrawn, and really she's looking for Ezra. So um, I think that's going to take us more towards the Chiss Ascendancy, and we're going to see more characters like Grand Admiral Thrawn show up, is my guess, but who knows. Right, right, who knows. That's going to be pretty cool to see, and that will kind of tie uh, those series in with the sequel trilogy because, as we all know, Exegol, um, Snoke, every... every all that stuff Emperor Palpatine is doing right now is in the unknown region. So that could even tie into that. Uh, maybe see some background for the sequel trilogy. That'd be pretty neat. So is Ezra Bridger a Jedi? That's something that I struggle with. I don't know if he's really a Jedi or if he is just a light side force user who has a lightsaber. There, There is a difference. There is a distinct difference. Um, for me, though, I, I, don't, I don't know that Ezra is actually... A full-fledged Jedi. Yes, he uses a lightsaber. Yes, he uses the Force, and he was trained in the Jedi ways. Uh, he talked to Master Yoda. He went to the Jedi temples. 
I, I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's a Jedi Knight. I think he's still working towards that. And a lot of what we're going to see in like the Ahsoka show, more than likely, and in, in the future of that, will be his kind of journey to become a true Jedi Knight. Yeah, exactly. And right now, you know, there's no Jedi Council to really answer those kind of questions because before, you know, they could make a decision like, okay, yeah, we will title you as a Jedi Master or a Jedi Knight. But now it's just Ezra and, um, was it Kanan? And so, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what test he has to go through to be proven a Jedi Master. Or if, if he's the only Jedi he knows now, then he can self-declare himself as, I'm a Jedi Master. That's true. He could just be like kind of like Luke Skywalker. Um, Yoda and Obi-Wan kind of passed a torch to Luke. And they, they pretty much tell him he's the future of the Jedi, that, that the whole order is basically in his hands. But if Ezra still thinks he's the only Jedi out there... He could possibly start his own order of Jedi, maybe mix with Luke's sometime. I I don't know. It'll be it'll be neat to see. So Ezra's weapon in the um, early days of Rebels was kind of strange. It it shot blaster balls that kind of stunned people, and it was also a lightsaber. So I, I think that weapon's pretty useless. Uh, what do you guys think about the uh, the lightsaber blaster? Combo. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Um, I, I liked how Cannon used it because uh, that was the first time he used sort of the combo of using as a lightsaber and then um, then shooting some of those little blaster balls at people. Um, so when he, you know, dual wielded that way, that was pretty cool. I mean, it kind yeah, of goes against know. like all Jedi beliefs, though, doesn't it? Isn't the whole point of being a Jedi to be defensive, and that's why their only weapon is a lightsaber? Well, to be fair, well, you it know was who's a gonna stun weapon more than a, than actually a, a blaster bolt, which is kind of, I think, what the point was. And so it isn't technically killing them, so would that in turn go against the Jedi way of being defensive? I don't think so. Yeah, but I, I know but I know one Jedi Master who would definitely, definitely hate on that weapon, and that's going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi, dude. Obi-Wan Kenobi finds blasters so uncivilized. We all know this. So for him to, to have a blaster slash... Uh, Lightsaber, I think. I think poor Obi Wan's probably rolling. Well, he wasn't rolling; he was alive at the time. <laughs> Obi Wan probably felt that in Force was like, "This is wrong, dude." Makes me wonder what his reaction would have been had Ezra met him earlier than he did. Yeah, that, that would have been fun to see. He would have called him uncivilized. That's that's what would have happened. Um, so Ezra Bridger, great hero. Uh, he's still got a big future in the Star Wars universe, and we're gonna take it over to Wesley. Wesley, who is your favorite Star Wars hero? And why do you like that person? Yeah, so my favorite hero is the one, the only, Babu Frick. Hey, hey! Babu Frick! Babu Frick. That's all I have. <laughs> Just kidding. But seriously, though, picking a favorite hero was very challenging. I mean, there were a ton of good choices to pick from. You know, you got the popular heroes like Han Solo and Chewie, or even the always clutch astromech droid R2-D2. And um, I even had strong considerations for Anakin's baby mama, the diplomatic connoisseur herself, Padme Amidala. But ultimately, there was only one right answer for me, which was Mr. Samuel L. Jackson, a.k.a. Mace Windu. Nice, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Mace Windu is uh, well known for being that dude with a purple lightsaber, which was ultra rare and unmatched. It was very unique, and we will probably never see another Jedi with a purple lightsaber. 
Um, and probably the second most important thing about Mace Windu was that he was a powerful Jedi Master who served on the Jedi Council. In fact, he was arguably the most powerful Jedi during that era, um, even stronger than Yoda himself as far as combat goes. The only thing stronger than Mace Windu is the high ground. <laughs> but for real, <laughs> but for real, what I what I mean is one on one, Mace Windu was able to disarm the most powerful Sith Lord to ever live, Darth Sidious slash Emperor Palpatine himself. That's something that even Yoda failed to do. So based off of that and what we could see on screen, I think that Mace Windu had the situation under control. Of course, until you know Anakin showed up and caused Mace Windu to get thrown out the window. I mean, window. Oh, can, yeah. can we add a <laughs> thank you in post? <laughs> I'll be here all day. Thank you. Another example of why my boy Mace Windu is the best hero is because throughout the Clone Wars, he would lead many battles on the ground with the squad. Like the battle on Geonosis, he easily beheaded the bounty hunter Jango Fett. Which made, which made Dooku poop himself a little bit. I mean, seriously, go rewatch that clip and watch for Dooku's reaction. <laughs> and then uh, one more thing about Mace Windu. Um, he was the only person on the Jedi Council to keep Anakin in check. I mean, like from day one, even when Anakin was a little kid, Windu did not trust him and could tell something won't right about that kid. <laughs> yeah. Throughout this... Yeah... That throughout the series, his distrust in Anakin was consistent, and he would always limit what missions Anakin could go on, or, or you know, not being allowed near Emperor Pal- Palpatine, or you know, by allowing Anakin to join to join the Jedi Council but not be titled a Jedi Master. In fact, one of my favorite quotes from that that moment is, "Take a seat, young Skywalker." Anyway. From the very beginning, Mace Windu was right about Anakin, and I bet if he could be a Force ghost with Yoda and Obi-Wan, he would say, I told you so. So true, man. That's that's like interesting that's Mace concept. Windu summary on steroids. That's awesome. So what, what kills me, uh, or excuse me, not kills me, what gets me about uh, Wesley's synopsis of his characters that he likes, you would you would get the uh, you would get the idea that he actually has like lunch with these guys and plays like Rocket League with him on the weekends. <laughs> like, I swear, I can I can see Wesley be like, "What's up, Windu, my homie? Put it in the Windu's goal, pl- man. Put it in the goal." Windu's plat three. <laughs> my question is, how is he playing with one hand? Oh, oh. Sure <laughs> well, he could get one of those robot arms. I mean, there's tons of robot arms in the Star Wars universe. He actually probably be better at Rocket League for it. <laughs> nah, who knows? But anyways, let's. Let's get into the cross-examination of Mace Windu. So Mace Windu, man, I want to go back to something you said uh, towards the end of your summary there. Uh, Mace Windu's distrust of Anakin Skywalker. This is something that holds a lot of contention for me. I think it was that distrust, and I may have said this in an earlier podcast, I think it was that distrust that kind of steered Anakin towards the dark side, like at least helped him along the way. He didn't feel like he had any friends in the Jedi Council. He didn't feel like... He held any kind of weight with those guys, and and I think it really shows in the way that Windu treats Anakin. Um, so I, th- I I honestly think that's how he started. 
his path down the dark side was listening to those guys. Yeah, it was hard to really evaluate Anakin, right? Because he clearly, from a third-party perspective, like, he clearly had a best friend in Obi-Wan. Like, he should have be, been able to go to him for anything. But even, you know, um, in, in episode three, you can see his judgment was clouded and he couldn't think clearly, uh, even with that relationship. So, it, it so... Uh, it, so having that relationship with someone so close to you, you know, it was kind of hard to tell how he and and Mace Windu, like, what was the status of their relationship? Um, you know, everything I saw throughout you know, all the movies and all the TV shows, it's just that <laughs> that they didn't get along. And, you know, they, right. they, they were, it, it seemed like they were, uh, like, tolerant or, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know what the right word is, but tolerant of each other. But... Um, they, yeah, yeah, yeah but they didn't really no, have like right. a yeah. deeper relationship and or cordial, yeah. So they were cordial, but they didn't really have anything deeper beyond that. So that might be something we can get in into a later podcast or yeah. possibly later in this very show, depending on who picks what heroes. But moving on from that topic, did Mace Windu use the dark side while fighting while using combat? Um, I, I know it's been said kind of in Legends and maybe in the new canon, and it's something that's kind of uh, I've, I've heard. I don't know. I haven't actually done a deep dive on this. But they say that Mace Windu actually uses the dark side when he fights. Is this true? Anybody? Anybody know the answer to that? I might know a little bit about it. Um, I can't remember the form he uses. I think it's like Form 7. Or well, of course you know about it, Wesley. You freaking <laughs> play Rocket League with him on the weekends. I'm That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, he makes sure it's not, my credit score is good and I get Capital <laughs> One. <laughs> no. Um, so he uses this special technique that is actually uh, not legal in the Jedi. Um, and he had to get approval to use it. Uh, I think it's called Form 7, but I have to double check on that title. But anyway, it, it relies on a lot of ferocity and like, anger to... And that's why it's so powerful, and that's why he's the, one of the most powerful Jedi. Um, and in fact, uh, I read this article that said that uh, even Anakin wanted to learn, learn that technique, but uh, it, it was shot down by the Council, and of course... You know, Mace Windu definitely had a hand in that to sh to uh, reject that request, um, just because of you know he he didn't trust Anakin. Well, um, I know in the new canon or in the High Republic era, they actually mention what it takes to be considered a Jedi Master, and you actually have to complete a training of an apprentice. And we all know how that went with Anakin, where his apprentice left the order. So, I mean, it's a, kind of like a double sting, especially if you watch Clone Wars, because it's like he was so Ahsoka probably could have passed the trials and been considered a full fledged Jedi whenever she left the order. Like, she was definitely strong enough and smart enough to do that. Um, and it's just kind of like if that had happened, Anakin could have been considered and actually put on the council as a master. So, uh, it's very interesting. And very, uh, probably another podcast topic in the future, but seeing how Palpatine actually manipulated it to where Anakin couldn't be put on the council, actually. Yeah, that, I think Mace Windu's willingness to use the dark side in his combat, but not letting Anakin use the dark side in his combat, or Form 7, which is more aggressive style, like we've said. I, I don't know. I, it, it all kind of goes back to... Uh, 
I think uh, Mace Windu did did some did some harm to old Anakin uh, Skywalker back in the day. So, my next question is: Mace Windu a Grand Master of the Jedi? We have seen in the High Republic books that have just come out in the last couple months that there can be multiple Grand Masters of the Jedi. And growing up in Legends, even in the new Disney canon before these books came out, I always assumed that the Grand Master was the one Jedi that led all the other Jedi. And I, I think most people would concur on that. Most people would, would, would agree with me that that's what we thought. But now, um, going back and reading these, these new um, High Republic books, there are multiple masters, or Grand Masters rather, of the Jedi Order. So is Mace Windu a Grand Master? And, and if he isn't, why, why isn't he a Grand Master? He definitely could be. I mean, you obviously, like, I don't know, like you were mentioning earlier, I, I think that he did have a lot of sway in a lot of the points because I feel like he was the strongest argument against Anakin. And you could see Yoda could sense, you know, what Mace Windu could sense, but still had hope and was hesitant, you know. So it could be. Yeah, I, I just wish they would have stated that in the movies. Like, I guess they never really state that. Did they ever really state that Yoda is the Jedi, the Grand Master of the Jedi? Did they say that in the movies? I'm not sure. I was just wondering that too. Like, I don't recall hearing that either. And you know, as a kid, I always, always thought that like Yoda was the head in charge of everything. But I felt like Mace Windu was like second in command. Yeah, and and that's kind of what it seems. And if you if you look at a the the legends of material now in those books he's definitely referred to as Grand Master of the Jedi the one and only Grand Master of the Jedi but um, I guess with the new Disney canon we don't really know if Mace Windu was kind of on the same tier as Yoda were they kind of co-leading the Jedi was he number two and I think we should explore that I'd like to see some stuff on that and Clone Wars was probably a good good place to explore that but I don't think the multiple Grand Master kind of idea was around during the production of that show. Yeah, um, I think based on some of the stuff that they put out uh, that's in the canon now, I think, uh, through like some of the comics and other books, material that they put out, uh, Mace Windu is referred to as a master of the order and not a grand master. Um, the grand master is supposed to be over, you know, the entirety of the Jedi. They kind of, you know, make sure everyone's following the rules and they're responsible for training younglings is their big deep thing. Uh, and then the master of the order is kind of like in charge of the Jedi Council, kind of, is kind of the idea. Right. I would hate that role. I would hate like be so successful and so good and get to the very top of everyone. And they say, okay, now go train all these little babies <laughs> well, how to and, hold a lightsaber. <laughs> and going back to my uh, current thing with Mace Windu, you, you really don't want him teaching kids. Look how you treated Anakin, like. Mace Windu's not very good with kids. I mean, how many R2-D2 beeps <laughs> are going to happen with the kids? How many F-bombs is Samuel L. Jackson going to drop working with the, with the uh, young people? <laughs> I, I wonder if he has a baby mama out there. Like, I, I would love to have like, this whole side story of like, Mace Windu's wife and kids and, and uh, have a whole show about that. Papa Windu, that'd be awesome. That'd be a good show. Yeah. <laughs> so Disney Plus, if you're listening, uh, Papa Windu coming to Disney Plus, uh, maybe next fall. We can we get we can make that work. Um, so Mace Windu, if I need need any kind of advice from Samuel L. Jackson, I'm going to ask Wesley, who plays uh, games with him on the weekends. <laughs> so next up, we have Andrew. Andrew, who is your favorite Star Wars character and why? 
so my favorite Star Wars character is Qui-Gon Jinn. And that's just because I think he's just the coolest character in the entire, like, Star Wars universe. Now, yeah, I mean, Liam Neeson is really cool, um, you know, just a really good actor. And uh, like you said, uh, Qui-Gon has such a short uh, stint on the first episode, but has such significance in the whole series. Like, um, that that's what stands out to me about Qui-Gon. Yeah, he's, he's steeped in a lot of mystique and a lot of mysticism. Especially in the old Legends material. I know I've brought that up a couple of times. But um, I don't know if, if any of you guys know this, but actually in the Legends material, he learned from the wills of the Force. And when I say the wills of the Force, those were kind of like the gods of the Force, if you will. They pretty much um, kept to it. They, they kind of were the Force. They were very mysterious. But it was said that Qui-Gon Jinn actually traveled to this these beings and learned how to become one with the force after death and to bring his personality back and to, to retain his personality after death through the force by talking to the wills. And a lot, a lot of that comes from that kind of mysticism that we associate with Qui-Gon Jinn. He was a good fighter. He was good in combat, but dude, Qui-Gon is, is he's like a space wizard. Like we talk about Jedi being the space wizards. He's like one of the, the biggest wizards there is out there. In my opinion, at least. Yeah, he's also he's also considered by many people to be a great Jedi, one of the first great Jedi. And, I mean, he's got such good... Like, his importance in the series is kind of insane and is mostly expanded on in the Legends. But, I mean, if it wasn't for Qui-Gon Jinn dying, you know, sort of abandoning, in a way, Anakin Skywalker, you'd never have Darth Vader. And on top of that, you know, he was the first one... Well, not the first one, but he was the first in the trilogies that we are in the prequels that we know of that learned to be a force ghost. Right. He, he really is. And I, w- I want to pick up on something you just uh, said. So do you think Qui-Gon's presence in Anakin's life could have kept him from turning to the dark side had he not been killed by Darth Maul? 100%. I 100% believe that if Qui-Gon Jinn hadn't gone after Darth Maul the way that he did, if Qui-Gon Jinn was more of a... I guess if he was just a different person, you know? More of a, a true Jedi, then I don't think that Anakin Skywalker would have turned out to be Darth Vader. And this is kind of the uh, difference you see between Qui-Gon as Anakin's master versus Obi-Wan as Anakin's master. I think Obi-Wan did the best he could with what he was given, Um, Fresh out of being a Padawan, he has Anakin Skywalker as his new apprentice. But Qui-Gon was someone who had trained Jedi before. He had done a very good job with Obi-Wan. And he had that nurturing feeling. Um, If you look all throughout Episode 1, he's constantly teaching Anakin, fill this with the Force, um, try to reach out with your your inner self. Um, Even when they're fighting Darth Maul, hey man, go get in the cockpit of that ship, hide, lay low. Um, you know, he, he really took a, a nurturing presence and put it over Anakin. And I don't really see that a lot in the Jedi, especially with the council. They seem pretty cold in their ways of leading and their relationships with one another. And that may go back to their whole attachment thing, but well, that's the thing. And I mean, if you Dave Filoni in one of the extra scenes in, uh, the Mandalorian kind of pointed this out for me for the first time. But when Qui-Gon and introduces Anakin Skywalker to Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of 
compares him to trash. Oh yeah, like just a, a slave boy. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's he's very pessimistic about this because I mean, if you to be honest, at the time, what Qui Gon Jinn did, I don't know if people understood the scope of it, but Qui Gon Jinn tested his blood and found that he had a a really high amount of midi chlorians inside of his bloodstream. So that's why he kind of thought that Anakin Skywalker was like the chosen one, AKA, you know, Jesus in this world. <laughs> yes. There, there's a lot of parallels between Anakin Skywalker and Jesus. It's, <laughs> I mean, you, you laugh at it. It's true. I mean, it's, it's a lot of parallels. Um, but I, yeah, I think Qui-Gon Jinn was the father figure that Anakin needed and the, the nurturing presence in Anakin's life that could have steered him differently guided him through his relationship with Padme, guided him through his emotional turmoil. Because Anakin is so steeped in depression and just, I, I should have done this instead of this. He's always living in the past. If you look at Anakin's character, he's always living in the past. And I think Qui-Gon could have helped him cope with that and, and bring him kind of to be the Jedi that he needed to be. Because we see Anakin has a lot of compassion and he has a lot of love for the people around him. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but he had to channel that in a way that was not aggressive. Channel that in a way that was geared more toward the light side of the Force rather than the dark side of the Force. And I feel that's one of the big problems with the Jedi in general in the prequel era is they 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 cut off love. They try to cut off those feelings of compassion when they really need to embrace them. Um, but yeah, man, Qui-Gon Jinn is, is, is great. All right, so let's keep this ball rolling. Let's move it over to Diedrich. Diedrich, who is your favorite Star Wars hero and why? My favorite hero, thanks for asking, is Anakin Skywalker. Because <laughs> he has the best Wait, wait, wait. Which, which Anakin? Little boy Anakin or... Mid- it's fabulous. Definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, we're talking Emo about Anakin, dude. Three Anakin. All right. All right. Well, there's episode like, two, Rat Tail Anakin. Like, looks like he rolled up out of the trailer park. Uh, <laughs> Ghost Force Anakin. Like, which one are we talking about? <laughs> Jungle Ninja. T-Rex Anakin. Baby yeah. Jesus Anakin. There's all kinds of Anakins. All right, so, like, he's the best because he's willing to fight a war and still be, like, quote-unquote, a good guy but he will commit war crimes to get his point across. And I, I kind of find that very interesting to watch. So, like, I'm pulling more of my vibe about Anakin from the Clone Wars animated show. So there were a couple of examples during the series where the Jedi are like, oh, well, we need some information. And they're trying to extract it by, you know, using their telekinesis and whatnot. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll get the job done. Just give me like five minutes alone. And they're like, okay, that's kind of sketch, but we trust you. And then walk away and he'll bust up in there and he'll be like, you're going to tell me what I want to know. And they're like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. Where are the drugs? And he's like, yeah, where are you, Batman? He'll be all like, he'll be like force choke. And then he'll, he'll get all like angry. His hand will ball up and then they'll like fly up in the air and start struggling for their throat and whatnot. And then somehow he'll walk out of that room knowing exactly what they need to know to save the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's just nice. And I think that's really fun television. So Anakin is definitely better characterized in the Clone Wars series than he is in the movies. And I stand by this because I, I very much like Anakin in the Clone Wars. 
you can kind of see that struggle between doing the right thing and whether he's doing that in the right way or not. Because he's doing the right, he's getting the right result. But is he doing it the right way, the way the Jedi would want him to do it? So that kind of battle inside himself and that conflict, it's, it's interesting to see because, of course, we know he turns into Darth Vader. And that conflict is more interesting to watch than kind of the conflicts he has in Episodes 2 and 3. I've also got to say, he gives off mad Han Solo vibes with his swagger in the Clone Wars. Oh, for sure. Really all day. Me more of Han and I've, I've always said that Luke, even though, of course, the original trilogy was made before the prequels, he kind of gets his looks and his force powers and his strength from Anakin, but his demeanor comes from Padme. Like, his caring nature, his, his compassion, both... Anakin and Luke have compassion, but I think Luke's is a softer, more nurturing compassion, and Anakin's is more of a protective, like, cut anybody down who comes close to my loved ones kind of compassion. Yeah, I I always liked his relationship with Padme, and, you know, I kind of hated how he had to keep it a secret, um, but... Sorry, I forgot, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. It happens. Can you stop thinking about Samuel L. Jackson for five minutes? (laughs) Um, So that brings me to a question I have. Why was Clone Wars Anakin so different from movie Anakin? I think that's a pretty simple explanation because of all the hate that, that dude, I feel like so many people did not like what, how Anakin was portrayed. Even from a kid all the way up, he was kind of portrayed as a very immature, uh, person who couldn't handle all the pressure that was put on him pretty much and so i think that the clone wars allowed them to expand on what actually created darth vader how he got some of his powers how he got some of his mannerisms and what led him to go to the dark side side. yeah i can totally agree with that uh clone wars anakin is so well developed and he just seems like a night and day or excuse me, night versus day mirror of his movie self. Um, and I do kind of take issue with what you said about episode one, Anakin. Uh, a lot of people hate on Jake Lloyd's uh, portrayal of Anakin there, but I think he seems aware. He seems like he knows about the things going or going on around him. He understands things. And even like he kind of has more of that Luke kind of compassion inside of himself when he's younger. I can see a lot of parallels between his emotional awareness um, between his emotional awareness and Luke Skywalker's emotional awareness. It it kind of coincides together. They're they're kind of the same. But as he grows and he loses people and, you know, he's scared about losing Padme. His mother dies because of the sand people. He loses this person, that person. And it, it really starts to weigh on him. And of course you have Emperor Palpatine feeding all this stuff to him that he's better than all of the Jedi. And that really morphs that innocent little boy compassion into evil. Like, as a kid, yeah, if he's a little scared, a little timid, he, he don't know if he can take the pressure. That's okay. He's like eight. But as he grows older, he's supposed to learn to deal with this stuff, and he just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. And it's the reason why I find it crazy that Dietrich had episode three so high up on his list. Because I think it's like it's got some good stuff to it, but like that's a huge, 
that's a good yeah th- episode three had a three yeah yeah i will say it, that it had a lot episode of episode three has the best and most fights i can agree with that that okay see and i i can agree it, with that kind of it did it did so that's an excellent plug for a past episode if you missed it Episode number two of Dork Wars, the podcast, was our favorite movies. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. It's a great, great episode. So moving on from that, yes, Anakin was a great character to see, and he had a great story to be told. Unfortunately, you had to watch Clone Wars to get that story. So moving on, that brings us to my favorite hero. And when we're talking about my favorite hero, I'm going to have to say Obi-Wan Kenobi. So Obi-Wan Kenobi starts out in episode one as kind of an elitist kind of jerk, in my opinion. I know Andrew had said it a little bit earlier in the episode, but when Qui-Gon introduces Anakin to him, he kind of writes him off as like, you know... um, outer rim trash you know he's he's from Tatooine he's he's a nobody he's a little slave kid like what can he possibly offer us but he goes from that arrogant Padawan goes through the fight with Darth Maul with his master Qui-Gon Jinn which I believe shaped him in a way that nothing else could he watches his master die and right then he takes on the reins of the mission that Qui-Gon started Qui-Gon takes little boy Anakin, the chosen one, and wants to train him. Obi-Wan was going to become a Jedi Knight and have his own career totally separate from Anakin Skywalker. He didn't care if he saw Anakin again. But as soon as his master died, and his master's dying wish was put on him to train Anakin, train the boy, and to make him the Jedi that Qui-Gon thought he could be, he instantly took on Qui-Gon's mission. And from there, we go to episode two, where he becomes the understanding teacher. You watch his interactions with Anakin. He is a, he's, he's pretty strict with him. But at the same time, he understands his struggles, or seems to understand his struggles. And he tries to deal with those things. And he's still got some snarky comments here and there. You can kind of see that, that kind of jerky attitude here and there by some of the things he says. Maybe he's not quite as nurturing as he should be, but he is a good teacher to Anakin. He's taught him very uh, how to be a Jedi. He's taught him force powers, abilities, lightsaber combat, and he's, he's really taken Anakin under his wing, and you can tell that he really thinks highly of Anakin, even in Episode 2. Fast forward through the Clone Wars. Um, they, they work very well together through the Clone Wars. Probably the best, um, some of the best interactions between those two characters are in the Clone Wars, you can kind of see that that brother um, idea that comes up in Episode 3. You can see that start happening in the Clone Wars, and as the Clone Wars go on, they just get closer and closer, and it becomes less of a master-student type of relationship to like a brotherly relationship. That brings us to Episode 3, where he is Anakin's brother through and through. And at the end of it all, when Anakin turns to the dark side, he does what must be done and fights Anakin Skywalker to the death, or what he thinks is the death, and has every intention of killing him to save the Republic, to save the light side of the Force, to get rid of the Sith. You know, it's it's pretty it's pretty sad to see 
Obi-Wan have to do that? And you can kind of feel those emotions in episode three because he doesn't want to do it. And you can tell he doesn't want to do it. He even tells Yoda, he's like, I'm not going to kill Anakin. But he does what has to be done, and he goes to fight Anakin. So he, he holds his own against Darth Maul when he was just a Padawan in episode one. In Rebels, we see the rematch between him and, and Maul. Well, a rematch. That's like the, what, maybe the third or fourth rematch, really. But when o- um, Darth Maul comes to Tatooine looking for Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan pretty much just dispatches him in a hit. He cuts right through the lightsaber, right through his body, and kills him. It's, it's actually pretty cool to watch. Um, that was a cool That was a cool scene. It was very cool. And some people say it's too short. I think it was just right. It shows how much Obi-Wan has grown in maturity and in combat. Um, you can actually see him when he's, when he's um, about to fight Maul. He kind of takes his Clone Wars stance where he's going to fight him like he's in Clone Wars. And then he comes back down to his... Um, his A New Hope stance where he fights Vader, where he's got the two hands in a very defensive style looking lightsaber stance. And then he actually comes up and comes by his head kind of in, or it's reminiscent of the way that Qui-Gon Jinn would start a fight. Um, and that all has to do with the lightsaber forms. I'm not really clear on which lightsaber form Qui-Gon Jinn was uh, affluent in. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Because when I watched that scene about a week ago, um, I, I saw him changing his forms. I'm like, okay, yeah, what, what is this? I recognize the I recognize that first one, like the serpent looking. Yeah, stance, he's got his but, he's got uh, his two fingers. Like I'm coming after you, dude. That is his combat. Yeah, that is his combat stance. He's coming after you. That is the war in him. He is a warrior at that point. He is a hardened general. I'm gonna t- do what needs to be done for the republic. And then he he thinks he calms himself down. He's like, no, I'm not a warrior i am a jedi knight i am a peacekeeper let me come to my defense defensive stance and you can see that obi-wan ben kenobi defensive stance if you will where he is a jedi knight and then to honor his master he comes up with the stance where he has the lightsaber reared up by his head and then we see the fight uh take place and maul actually tries to kill obi-wan the way he did qui-gon but qui-gon seen it before he's mature he is a complete jedi master and he dispatches maul right off the bat that scene holds so much for me and it kind of just just the form change shows the development of obi-wan kenobi from episode one until that point in the star wars universe wasn't darth maul your favorite villain darth maul was my favorite villain yes sir so and i didn't even think about this but they're kind of two sides of the same coin maybe that's why i like obi-wan and darth maul but I think it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I just I just love that dynamic they have. And then of course Obi Wan goes into exile to, to train Luke when he's ready, when he's old enough. Uh, I think that takes a lot of a lot of maturity to to not go out and fight the Empire because Obi Wan probably could have made some strides with the rebellion. He probably could have helped the rebellion out a lot in those early years. But he chose to stay back. He chose to stay hidden so he could train who he believed to be the chosen one. Because in that actual uh, scene with Darth Maul, Darth Maul asks Obi-Wan if he thinks that Luke is the chosen one. And Obi-Wan says he thinks Luke is the chosen one. I think that's that's a pretty cool point of contention. Yeah. So why... Well, my only thing about Obi-Wan is why did he name baby Luke, like Luke Skywalker? Like, why did he give him that last name? <laughs> if he's trying to keep him hidden. Yeah, and... and 
and puts him on Tatooine with uh, Anakin's stepbrother. So Darth Vader, in all of his wisdom, is not going to think, you know what, maybe I should go check on my stepbrother on Tatooine. Maybe he's hiding a little me out there. I mean, you know, tie up some loose ends. <laughs> but I think, I think the big thing is um, Vader wasn't supposed to know that Anakin and Leia existed. Or excuse me, Luke and Leia existed. I misspoke there. Um, but I kind of find that hard to believe. I mean, as as big as the Force is, as powerful as the Force is, and if you read Legends, again, Legends, um, members of the same family had like a lot of um, kind of Force intuition on each other. People who were close by blood, like even Luke and Leia in the original trilogy have like this weird kind of Force connection even before they knew they were brother and sister. Even before they kissed. Yes, even before the <laughs> the slight amount of incest that we bring up from time to time. Slights amount. <laughs> but yeah, that's my case for Obi Wan. Does anyone else uh, have any thoughts on Obi Wan Kenobi? Dude, he's got one of the most iconic battles of all time. Honestly, like he he is, does a good old suicide by lightsaber. Yeah, suicide by Dark Lord, dude. I, I didn't even I didn't even bring that up. That shows such a maturity, too. I mean, if you look at... He, he sacrifices himself to become one with the Force so that Luke can kind of take the reins and uh, be the one to fight Vader and to defeat the Sith. And he was able to guide Luke more completely as a Force ghost, I believe. And, that, and that's why he did it. Um, there's actually a like remake of that scene online somewhere. Um, I, I'll have to post the, uh, the YouTube video on our Facebook page. So go check that out, everyone. Um, on our Facebook page, that is facebook.com forward slash dork wars podcast. Um, yes, they, they remake that scene and it's like a, it's not any kind of elaborate duel like the prequels, but there's like a lot of force action. The, the lightsaber battle is a little bit more, uh, involved. It's, it's a little bit less stagnant. And I think it would really serve the original trilogy if that was the lightsaber battle we could see? Obviously, we we can't, and I think it's I think it's good to keep it in its, in its original form, just because of the history. But that scene, go go and watch that YouTube video. It is epic. It is an epic fight. So that brings us to the end of another episode of Dork Wars the podcast. We thank all the Dork Lords out there for listening. Go like our Facebook page. Go like our Twitter. Retweet our stuff. Share our stuff. Like our stuff. Share with your friends. Let them know. If you know someone who likes Star Wars, they'll probably like our podcast. So with that, until next week, thank you, and may the Force be with you. Thank you for supporting Dork Wars, the podcast. You can check us out on facebook.com forward slash Dork Wars, the podcast. And if you would like to join in on the discussion or maybe suggest topics for us to discuss, please do so by joining our Discord community or sending us an email at dorkwarspodcast at gmail.com. This has been a... Wait, are we going? Is this for real? Production.